Welcome to the Forerunner Church Podcast, where we highlight key messages and themes related to the body of Christ, inviting you to connect with our spiritual family as we grow in passion for Jesus and compassion for people. For more information, visit forerunnerchurch.com. Turn to Zechariah chapter 12. This morning, I'm going to highlight some things that I believe that the Lord is inviting us into. I'm not going to do a teaching this morning so much as present to us an invitation that I believe is from the Lord. And in summary, it's an invitation into a spirit of repentance. I believe that the only safety is under the cross of Christ and to be covered in his precious blood that our guilty stains would be washed away and that he would restore and redeem the many transgressions of this community of us individually, of mothers, of fathers, the Lord would release a great spirit of repentance upon us. This is not something that I believe is is done lightly. This is something that I believe that the Holy Spirit would help us do, but we need him to lead us into repentance. This is not to be a work of the flesh where we frantically search the Bible for the easiest way to get out of trouble. But this is to be a work of the Spirit. And so this exhortation this morning is more about us gaining a vision to invite the work of the Spirit at the deepest possible level of this community here. And I do want to make it clear that I am speaking to the community here. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 is a familiar verse to many of you. And the prophet Zechariah, by the word of the Lord, is saying that the Lord is going to pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on me whom they've pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping of a firstborn. Father, we ask, Lord, today in the name of Jesus for a spirit of revelation and clarity. We ask you, Lord, that you would lift the fog 
the heaviness and the spirit of sorrow that has gripped many hearts and minds. Where the spirit of offense is working. Where the spirit of anger is at work. Where the spirit, every, every lying spirit, every way in which we seek to justify ourselves, to prop up our rightness, when your word tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would take authority over every spirit of confusion, every spirit of perversion. I ask you for the blood of Christ to be on the doorposts, the heart of every believer in this community that we would live under the mercy and the forgiveness and the power of the blood of Jesus. We ask that you would drive out darkness in every way in the name of Jesus. Father, I take authority over every spirit of anxiety and despair that it would be broken now in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, that our sorrow would lead us to repentance, not into stumbling. I believe that the Lord is inviting us into, like I said, a spirit of repentance, a season of repentance. I'm not going to define practically what that means or what that looks like, but rather presenting an invitation before us as I even feel personally before the Lord that if he will come and search me and search us and invite us into a deep work of the Spirit, that he would show mercy upon us. And he would grant us favor. And he would restore many of the things that either have been lost or are in the balance of being lost and wounded for a very long time. Zechariah 12.10 is a prophecy that sits in the context, the nation of Israel And at the end of chapter 11, what is happening is that it's being prophesied that a false shepherd is going to arise to trouble Israel. And the Lord's answer is his shepherd that he has appointed. It's Christ, the Messiah, the son of David. This false shepherd at the end of chapter 11 is going to be the one to rally the nations and in chapter 14 lay siege against Jerusalem. And the problem is that in chapter 12, what we see
wicked nations so that the nation of Israel would be brought and escorted in to the promises of God that the prophets had prophesied. In other words, Israel had come to a place where they were not only in trouble, but they had disqualified themselves by cutting off their only means of salvation. The story of Israel throughout the word of God is meant to show us that in spite of the failure of men, God will prevail. If God can and he will restore the seed of Abraham, the Jewish people, and bring them into the inheritance that the prophets foretold, what can he do for your life? The same blood, the same covenant that will propel unbelieving Israel into the promises of God is the same blood and the same covenant that propels you and I as primarily Gentiles into those very same promises. It's the blood of Christ. And Israel, the Jewish people, as Zechariah is prophesying here, They don't even know the tenuous state that they're in. They cannot recognize it. They cannot see it. They cannot identify how deep the pain, how deep the iniquity actually goes. But Zechariah the prophet comes along and he says, the Lord has a redemptive plan. The Lord has a redemptive plan that against all odds, against in the natural, there being no human solution. When every carnal thing, when every fleshly idea has broken down, Zechariah prophesies and he says, God has a solution. And God has the ability to pour out his spirit and to show you, Israel, just how far you've fallen. He will give you a spirit of grace and supplication if you ask him. If you ask him, he can do the impossible. He can turn around fractured promises deferred hopes, impossible things that are incredibly stuck. God, if we ask him, he has the power to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication and lead Israel into a deep work of repentance that includes mourning and the weeping of bitter tears. I believe that God would have us call out to him for a spirit of grace, an empowerment by God to reveal to us individually, corporately, by families, by marriages, by homes, in our children, in the Young people, Lord, 
that he would show us the depths of where we're truly at before him. A grace to supplicate. A grace to come face to face with just how real and raw we truly are and even expose the ways in which we've propped ourselves up, self-justified, and show us the depths of our own pride. A spirit of grace to supplicate. I'm asking the Lord for that. Lord, I'm asking for a spirit of grace to supplicate, to rest upon us. That the hand of the Lord would come upon us heavily, mightily, mercifully. And that you, God, would arise in your kindness to lead us into repentance, into where we cannot even go with the information that we already know. I think that all of us individually or corporately would know enough to begin the conversation, but I believe that God wants to do a deeper, more profound work and a cutting away of the flesh so that this people, this community can enter in to the next season that the Lord clearly has in front of us. When the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River under the leadership of Joshua in Joshua chapter 5 into the promised land, it said that all the men had to be circumcised again. It's the cutting away of the carnal understanding, the carnal ways, the ways of the wilderness, the ways that were not sufficient for the season that was upon them And they went into the promised land, think about this, not just as conquerors, but as weak men who had just been circumcised. The weakness of our strength, the weakness of our ways, the weakness of standing on what we believed to be so sure, to be so certain. And the Lord says, I am going to bring you into the season of conquering in weakness, in repentance. The cutting away of the heart is about repentance. It's about Joel chapter two, rend your heart, not your garment. The garment is what man sees. The garment is what others see, and often we rend our hearts in repentance for that other person to be watching us to ensure that we've rent it deep enough and real enough. But it's not about the garment. It's about the heart. And we don't have the power or the strength to rend our heart at the depth that we need. We don't have the knowledge enough to rend our heart at the depth of what we need. Our sins are not before us clearly enough to rend our heart at the depth that we need. We need a spirit of God to rest upon us 
and by his grace, bring us into a place of supplication and cleansing and examination and a godly sorrow that leads us into repentance. Do you know what it means to say, I'm sorry? It means I'm sorrowful. I actually, I feel it. I feel the weight and the impact of my sins against heaven. It's brought me into a place of sorrow. It's brought me into a place of self-examination where everything is laid bare before God who knows all things and sees all things. There was, there's a release of the fear of the Lord that God wants to bring us into as a people to live under the eye of heaven, not under the eye of men. The problem with men bringing our sins before us, others bringing our sins before us, isn't that they're entirely untrue, it's that it's not even deep enough. It doesn't go far enough. The blood of Jesus has got to get to the very root of this people. It's got to get to the very root of our lives and bring life where there is death. Bring the tree of life where there has been the knowledge of good and evil. But God says that the knowledge of good and evil is not enough to cleanse you and save you. You need the tree of life. You need the cross. I need the cross at the deepest core of my being. I need the cross to show me my sin. When we look at the cross We don't just see our Messiah and our suffering Savior. We see him as our sin. Paul tells us that he became our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So when we behold the cross, it's the dichotomy of beholding the beauty and the glory, the manifest presence, the the demonstration of the love of God, and it is also beholding our wretchedness and our vileness and our sins that put him there. We need a revelation of how deep our transgressions truly go. Several years ago, the Lord began a conversation with this community from Revelation chapter three about the Laodicean spirit. He began confronting us about our lukewarmness, our indifference, our ability to carry on business as usual devoid of the Holy Spirit. We can just keep going in our human strength. And that's what the church of Laodicea was saying. They said, I'm rich and I have need of nothing. Aren't the way things are just good enough? We've got ministry growing. We've got people studying the Bible. We've got outreach into the city. We've got day and night prayer. Isn't that enough? And the church of Laodicea says, I'm rich I have need of nothing. 
I don't actually need God to do the machine of ministry. The Lord comes to her and in kindness and as the great shepherd, as the amen, as the faithful and true witness, he says in verse 14, he comes and he says, I'm gonna show you your true condition so that I can bring you out of it and change it into my condition. When the Lord confronts our sin and our barrenness, our weakness, our human strength, our deficiencies, our iniquities, when the Lord confronts it, it's because he intends to transform it. He began this conversation, and many of you remember that season, 2020, 2021, of the Lord resting upon you, various ones, resting upon you and not letting go of that conversation. I don't think that that conversation has changed. I think we're in the same conversation with Jesus. I think three years ago, the Lord was highlighting, I'm going to show you your spiritual condition. And I think today we're in a season where the Lord is saying, I'm going to show you your natural condition. I'm going to bring it into the flesh. I'm going to bring it into pain. I'm going to bring it into stories. I'm going to bring it into things that have happened. I'm going to show you where you're truly at. The Lord says this, I have a way out for you. Verse 19, Revelation 3. The Lord loves the ones that he chastens. He says, therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Don't just repent, but do it zealously. Do it fervently. Do it diligently. That's why I believe today I'm calling us into a season of examining, of inviting And praying to God by the Holy Spirit that he comes and gives us the grace to supplicate. And that whatever wounds have been caused, whatever transgressions that have occurred, whatever iniquities that go back would be covered by the power of the blood and there would be a new testimony and a new story over this community a cutting away of the flesh and the invitation to be a people of the spirit. Not propped up, not self-exalting, a people of the spirit. Leaning, crossing over the Jordan, limping, dependent upon the work of God in our midst. He says in Revelation 3, to be zealous and to repent. We know what repent means. It means to turn. It means to turn. It means to turn from our ways. 
that are displeasing to God and to turn to the tree of life, to turn to the rock of our salvation, to turn to the holy God of Israel, to turn to Jesus, our King, our Savior, Messiah, to turn to him and to run to him and to cling to him and no other and to not cling to leaders, to not cling to ministries, to not cling to affiliations, to not cling to reputations, to not cling to history, to cling to him. The children of Israel couldn't cling to the law or cling to Moses. They had to cling to Christ, the rock. They couldn't cling to the traditions of man. They couldn't cling to what happened yesteryear. They had to cling to Christ. Fall on the rock, lest the rock fall on you and you be ground to powder. There's the falling, there's a a surrender, there's a yielding to the person of Jesus that he's inviting this family into. So there's Revelation 3.19 and then there's Acts 3.19. This was just highlighted to me this morning. Acts 3.19, Peter's preaching and he says, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away that times of refreshing may come. I don't know about you, but I think I need a time of refreshing I don't know about you, but my children need a time of refreshing. We need the rain of the Spirit that comes as the result of a deep work of repentance, a deep work. I'm not saying we're just saying words for the sake of appeasement. I'm talking about the help of God, the intervention of the Holy Spirit, the salvation of Yah to come and do a deep work in the heart of this people. Why? So that the times of refreshing may come. We want the times of refreshing to come. Whatever God would give to this spiritual community, whatever God would give to our city. We don't deserve it. We just don't. And if we thought that our faithfulness of 24 years of day and night prayer would earn us something, boy, did we get that wrong. It's not the faithfulness of men that earn the promises of God. It's the faithfulness of God in spite of our deficiencies, our failures, and our transgressions to write a story that brings glory to him. And we're in his hands. And I don't know if he's under us or over us or crushing us in from either side. I don't know. But we're under the hand of God. 
and he's not going to let go until he gets what he wants. Jesus says in Revelation 3, verse 21, in the same letter to this church, he said, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, and here's the key phrase, as I also overcame. Jesus was faced with the same pressures the same pain, the same anguish, the same temptation, the very things that this church faced. You can do it on your own. Turn these stones, Jesus, into bread. Just prove to them you're the son of God. Jump off the highest point of the temple. Just prove to them you're the son of God The angels won't let you dash your foot upon the stone. Do it without the cross, Jesus. Jesus says, no. I'm not gonna do it without the cross because the Father has ordained. He's ordained that I would suffer for the sins of many and then be exalted to his right hand. I won't circumvent it. I won't fast track it. I won't sit down to the Pharisees and just explain what I mean. I won't do that. I'm gonna go the way of the cross. It's been ordained. Jesus looks at this weak church, people just like us. Maybe we're even weaker because we've got a little bit more going on than they did. Thus, we're weaker. And he says, church of Laodicea, you can overcome because I overcame. If you do it my way, if you go the way of the cross, if you buy from me gold and you see the filthiness of your own garments, your own deeds, that have not been found perfect before me, and you ask me for clean garments, I'll give them to you. You can't even see your own condition. He says, if you ask me for eye salve, I'll give it to you so that you can see your condition, but even better, that you can see me, that you can see Jesus, that you can see the the power of who he is and the holiness of who he is and the love and the compassion and the mercy of who Christ is. But right now, you can't even see him. Church of Laodicea. But you've got to come to me. You've got to open the door to me. You've got to let me in to the wretchedness of your own soul. You've got to let me in to those recesses in your heart of pain and uh, an offense and you've got to let me into those recesses of addiction you've got to let me into those resources i'm on the outside of your heart but i want in i want in will you let me in
I want Jesus in here. In here, in here. I want him in here because he's the only one that can save the lost, heal the sick, raise the dead, cause our sons and daughters to prophesy, call the mothers and fathers to it, walk in their inheritance before God, restore all things, heal all things. He's the only one that can do it. And so he, he says, I'm inviting you into zealous season of repentance. That word zealous means diligent and steadfast. This isn't about just getting up on a Sunday morning. This isn't about just an altar call. Come down to the front if you want to repent. The eye of the Lord isn't just Awake on Sundays. He sees us Tuesday evening. He sees us Saturday morning. He sees us Friday nights. The eye of the Lord is on us. His hand is on us. Beloved, he's the judge of the earth, fierce and filled with love and mercy, longing to be gracious to us, longing for it. But it's an invitation. He's inviting us, and we're inviting him. There's got to be a mutual agreement. He goes, open the door to me. We're saying, Lord, open the door to you. Because there are so, there's so much traffic, there's so much going on, that we can't even open the door to him ourselves. We need a work of the Spirit. Search us, Lord. I invite the worship team to go ahead and come out. Search us, Lord. Search us, Lord. Let the fog lift in Jesus' name. Even this week, it's been foggy, unusually foggy outside. And this morning, I walked in at 9.30, the sun was shining. Perhaps it's a small thing. Perhaps it's a coincidence. Or perhaps it's a sign to us that we've been under a fog on many accounts. that there's been a spirit of sorrow that has rested upon us. John 16, Jesus says, I'm telling you these things so that you would not stumble because when the sorrow comes upon you, you're gonna be tempted into stumbling. You're gonna be tempted into giving up and giving in on faith in me and obedience to my word. You're going to be tempted to let go of your tongue. You're going to be tempted to go back to old ways and old patterns. You're going to be tempted. He said, but I to I've told you these things beforehand. I've told you what was coming upon you beforehand. 
because I want you to overcome. I want you to stand. I want your faith to not waver. I want the gospel to be true. I want the cross to be real. I want the pain and the sorrow of the hour to produce not stumbling in your spirit, man, but to produce, 2 Corinthians tells us, a godly sorrow unto repentance. To search yourself. To let the Holy Spirit search you. Let's stand before the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to Sunday Sermon. For more information, service times, and free teaching resources, visit forerunnerchurch.com.